Hey everyone, welcome to Savage to Sage, where we explore the evolution of entrepreneurs. In this show, we hear from leaders on the challenges and breakthroughs that have shaped them on their journey toward becoming a sage. Welcome back, everybody, to Savage to Sage. This is Daniel, the co-host, and I am really excited to be joined today by Bruce Kidd. Uh, Bruce is the president of Kidd Consulting Group. Welcome, Bruce. Uh, thanks for having me, Daniel. Pleasure to be with you. So, Bruce, I know we talked prior how a lot of the guests that we've had so far on Savage to Sage you know, are actively growing, scaling you know, a company right now. And you mentioned that you've, you've done some of that in the past. And now, um, a lot of your work is, uh, is helping companies like that who are in that space of, you know, business owners and executives who are, are growing companies like that. And so really excited to hear kind of your story, why you decided to start that, but why don't you just give a quick overview first? Um, so people know about what your focus is at kid consulting. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you the, uh, the very short version. So I, I'm a, a Purdue graduate in the School of Biology, and I thought I wanted to be a veterinarian until I learned that uh, college is kind of fun and schoolwork was hard and getting into vet school was really hard. <laughs> and so I didn't make it. Uh, but I stayed biology, got a degree, and um, started as a uh, science teacher, actually, at a, a private school here in Indianapolis and a basketball coach because I grew up in a basketball family and played in high school and enjoyed it for three years. But I realized I, in my heart, I was really kind of a business guy, not an academic. I had started a painting company when I was in high school, you know, residential home painting, and actually had grown it to a decent size. But it was, you know, I'd used it to pay for, help pay for college. I had it all through college and even after college for a couple of years. But that's not the business I wanted to be in long term. But I, you know, I felt all the pains of starting a business from scratch and hiring people and getting clients and doing work and getting paid and managing cash. A couple of years later, I got involved in the business community with an organization that was um, started by former Governor Orr. And it was a not for profit state government agency that helped start companies, help, help startups and existing small businesses with whatever resources they need. And I was there for, oh gosh, seven years. We had a very small staff and it was very uh, rewarding work. I, I learned a lot just from being out in the trenches with all these business owners, uh, men and women that had taken an idea and turned it into a business. And then, so from there, you take the next 25 years and I sort of was in that world with a variety of firms, actually started two other consulting firms with some partners, again, focused on privately held companies here in Indiana, strategic planning, capital formation, finding executive talent, preparing to sell your company, all that stuff. So I had a couple of firms that were involved in that. I spent three years working for Governor Daniels. I ran what was then called the 21st Century uh, Research and Development Fund, which was really interesting. Um, uh, investing in startups. We invested $80 million in 63 companies in three years, which is, you know, the traditional venture capital market. That's that's hair on fire uh, fast. That's, that's a lot. But it was really interesting. And, you know, we weren't, the model was not, it's different now. It's called Elevate Ventures now, but it's the same organization. It was very interesting to uh, be able to support these startups when they needed that little 
last bit of capital to get a product done. These were all pre-revenue companies. And our objective was to help them finish a product, start to hire people, commercialize, create some economic development for the state of Indiana through new jobs and uh, payroll and sales tax and all that stuff. And some of them were very successful and some of them were too early for the market and didn't make it. But it was uh, it was a great learning experience for me personally. And then I went from there back into the private sector and worked in a privately held company uh, for 10 years and a couple other firms here in town, again, all focused on the private sector, privately held companies. And then a year and a half ago, you know, so I'm, I'm uh, 66 years old. I didn't have any particular date in mind when I'm going to retire. In fact, I probably won't ever retire um, just because that's kind of how I'm wired. I need to be doing lots of things, which I am. But a friend and, and I were talking and he said, you know, you really should start a consulting firm and have sort of a partnership with some other professional firms so that it's you, it's the, you know, the hub and spokes. You're the, you're the hub and then the spokes are these other professional firms that are in various disciplines that are all important services or products for that same small business owner. And so that's what we did. And so I have six partner firms that I'm affiliated with. And so we do tag team wrestling. We go out and I, I find companies that are challenged uh, with a particular issue, whether it's people or money or markets or sales team. And I bring the partner firm of mine that uh, is a possible solution. Or if none of them are, then I try to go find another solution for these owners. So that's the model. It's it's very interesting. It's never the same every day. Um, and it, it, it helps me sort of do two things, it, uh, sort of manage my time. And I can work as hard or as not as hard as I want. Um, I tend to work pretty hard because that's kind of how I'm wired, but, but it also gives me a transition into closer to retirement and, and I can still manage this and some other things I'm doing at the same time. So, uh, so that's where I am that, you know, I've spent my, my whole career basically working around entrepreneurs and men and women that have started small companies and built them. That's awesome. And one of the things that, you know, when we talk about the topic of our show being savage to sage. Ultimately, the hope is that each of those entrepreneurs like you yourself and then others that you've worked with are on this, this path of what, what we call evolution and growth, you know, f- from the savagery that it takes to, to stand up a company and, you know, for a company to survive, which the survival rates, you know, are not, are not great. Uh, I think the last statistic I saw was like one in five you know, companies make it that start, but then, you know, as, as an entrepreneur grows and they grow their organization that they're on this continuum or path toward people, uh, especially in those early savage days experience, we, we call it the crucible where it's, it's kind of, or the, the school of hard knocks where you just to survive it, it requires just a lot of savagery, a lot of work, um, a lot of efforts, but you learn a lot from that and you kind of see the best and the worst of yourself. I'm curious, you know, if there's a story you have from whether it's, you know, standing up your consulting company during the pandemic recently, or it's one of your previous companies of like, what was one of those big lessons that you learned in that stage where, um, maybe from failure, maybe from a difficult experience. Yeah. So I said earlier, I, you know, I grew up in a 
basketball family here in town. You know, half of Indiana does. But there are a lot of a lot of similarities between sports and business, from my perspective. And you know, the old phrase is you learn a lot more from a failure, a loss in sports than you do a win, because you learn what you need to change. Wins, success early can make you. Uh, a little immune or less than cognizant of the things you should be changing, even though there are things there you're not you're not thinking about because you're doing you're doing well, you're winning. The thing that I find um, interesting, and I think the pandemic has accentuated that. One of my early mentors in business was a very wise gentleman who moved here from Michigan. He didn't know anybody in Indianapolis. But he'd been around lots of tech businesses his whole career. And just before he came to Indianapolis to be a part of this firm I was with, he had managed a group of scientists at the Battelle Institute over in Ohio. And they were working on big projects for corporate America, new product development, testing. And he realized that these 20 scientists and engineers and researchers were all really, really bright, PhD-level people. But they weren't the most productive. And one day he had to call, he's telling me this story at lunch. One day he called them all in and said, guys, I admire all of your intellect, all of your skills, your work ethic, but I need to share with you something that's really important for you to understand. There's a subtle but really important distinction between being active, busy, busy, busy on stuff every day, go home tired each day because, man, you were busy on stuff and being productive. Productive means we're actually getting things done, projects finished, happy clients. Active means we're just working on busy work and it's stuff that you think you need to be doing, but maybe it's not. And I've never forgotten that. I was 30 years old, maybe. I don't know. He was 25 years older. And I've never forgotten that story because what it told me was you know, all of us individuals running businesses or consulting with businesses or whatever, the one thing we all have in common, we're all different people as far as skills and interest and, and intellect and whatever. But the one thing we all have exactly the same is time. 24 hours, seven days a week. And how you use that time separates you from others. And it rem his story reminded me of that, and I've seen it over and over and over. So the lesson learned for myself in my consulting firm and previous firms, and for those people that I've worked with out there, is find a way to work on the stuff that's productive, not necessarily urgent. It feels urgent, and it's busy work, but at the end of the day, does it actually create any value for you and your company and or your customers? And it's hard for people to do that. It's just, we like being busy. And here's what I'll tell you. And I'm going to sound like a grumpy old man, which I try not to be. But one of the after effects and issues that the pandemic has caught, it's created a whole world of ADD people. Instant, 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 everything. It, social media had a part of that. But the pandemic, even more so, just everybody wants everything immediately. And that's just not how the world works from my perspective. Things take time. And so the 24-7 being productive, if I had to share one word of wisdom with an entrepreneur today, it would be that 
make sure you really understand what activities are important versus urgent and that are productive versus just being active. Because that's how you build a company. Spending your time each day, whatever number of hours you want to work is up to you, but spending it on productive activities. And I find that a lot of entrepreneurs really struggle with that. Candidly, it's because it's lonely in the corner office. It just is. I own the company. Everybody thinks I have all the answers. I know in my heart I don't have all the answers. And so I'm just busy doing stuff that makes me feel good about getting things done. But it's got to be the right things. It's got to be the right things to actually build value in the company. That, so I learned personally, but I, I saw it and I've seen it many, many times from other companies that I've been associated with. It, it seems like, and I know I've had to learn that the hard way, that lesson, uh, because, you know, I, as someone that deep down is a people pleaser, it's like all, all of these requests come in, especially requests for time. I'm like, oh, I've heard great things about you or, you know, and I, I want to go out and network. And, you know, when, when you're in the early stage of a company too, and it's, you're trying to find proof of concept, uh, product market fit, you know, you're like, okay, I need to go out and hone this. I need to talk with everybody as as possible to, you know, and, and so it, I would say it just becomes a challenge to really know what, what is most important and what's most productive. Uh, and it, you're exactly right. And, and my point with the earlier comment about ADD and we have every, we all have so much information to process each day through social media, emails. I mean, how many email, emails do you get a day? I get 200. How do you know which ones to actually focus on and spend time on? You can't on all 200 and most of them you don't need to, but you got to spend the time to figure it out. There's just a lot of pressure now with sensory overload for all of us in business to process things as fast as we can because there's another, the next day, there's another thousand coming. And if I get behind too far, I'm never going to catch up. It's a problem. I mean, it's just a problem. And, um, the really savvy and successful people figure out how to filter out all this noise from what's really important. Yeah. Yeah. It's so true. What we found is in that crucible of starting a company, you know, you, you learn a lot about yourself. Sometimes it's not pretty, you know, I've, I've learned a lot about myself, both on the personal level in the crucible of helping stand up a company that, you know, was like, ah, I'm not really proud of that. And so, I'm just curious, but I should say that, but then also it was an opportunity for me to grow and learn in a way that otherwise, you know, would not have been exposed because I, I wasn't helping start a company. And so like, what for you has, you know, has been some, like one of those lessons that you've learned of like, yeah, that was an ugly thing that was exposed, but it was an opportunity for, for growth. Yeah. I, um, so two things, you talked about being a people person yourself, and I, I feel like I am that profile as well. I, I enjoy and get great joy out of helping people, whether it's business related or personal or a neighbor or, or school related, whatever. Growing up here my whole life and knowing that this is a big, small town, if you're of that personality, it's easy for people to find you in this town if they need help. And I don't mean a business person necessarily, it might be an individual looking for a new job might be somebody that needs help with their daughter uh, admissions to Purdue or IU or whatever. 
can be any number of things that are not necessarily business related, and then some that are business related. And so what I found, uh, Daniel, is uh, as much as I wanted to help every single person that called me, I couldn't. I just didn't have the time. And that was a hard lesson for me to learn because I'd, I'd like to help every one of them. I just, I just ran out of time. That was lesson one. Lesson two was I don't, I don't like conflict, but I've learned that sometimes you have to deal with it. And, and a variation of that is with my consulting firm, but even prior with other firms that I've had where you know part of the objective is to go out and get new customers, do a good work for them, add some value, and then hopefully have a relationship going forward with that, whether they need you again professionally or not. Rejection's hard. That's what I've learned. And you're going to get a lot of it, especially during this past couple of three years where people just didn't want to or couldn't make the time to give you an audience to talk to them about what you could do to help them, either me or one of my partner firms that I'm affiliated with. And so it wasn't really a significant rejection. It was just people saying, yeah, no, I don't have time. Not interested right now. And that's that was hard for me to get used to. Not that I've always been told yes, because that's not the case, but it just took some, took some getting used to. I'm comfortable with that now, you know, in my own skin. I, a good friend of mine once said, he's an accountant, and he's a very good accountant and a CFO. And he said, you know, what I do for a living is not who I am. It's just what I do for a living. Who I am is a much bigger, broader topic, uh, and that, and I care more about that one than what I do. And so I had to remind myself of, of Phil's comment and and apply it to myself saying, okay, what I do is try and go out and help people. Not everybody needs my help or wants my help. Can't take it personally, Bruce. It's it's okay. You know, you're still okay. Just keep moving on. And and I think that happens to a lot of entrepreneurs, especially when you got a new widget, new technology. If you're first to market or second to market and you're still trying to find the early adopters versus the companies that have already bought products like yours for years, those are tough sales opportunities. It's tough to get those new sales with early adopters and a new technology or new product. And so you're going to get a lot of rejection and you just have to get comfortable with it. You just do. Uh, Whether you consider yourself a salesperson or not, you're going to get it. And uh, so that was the second lesson I learned is that rejection's okay. You just learn a little bit and move on. You know, Uh, I'm a big music guy. And a lot of the musicians, artists, songwriters that I listened to for years, you know, there'll be fragments of, of a song that resonate with me. And one of them, you know, I quit going to Jimmy Buffett concerts as much as I like Jimmy Buffett. I've got every album of his since the early 70s. Before people even knew who the heck he was, I was introduced to him. But he's got one song where he talks, breathe in, breathe out, move on. That, that was his. Nobody died here. You're going to be Okay. Breathe in, breathe out, move on, keep moving. And I love that line. So um, I try to live by that one. And since we're talking about music, then the other one is one of my other favorite, James Taylor has a line from one of his songs, and, and it's, it says, the secret to life is enjoying the passage of time. It's that level. Just embrace and enjoy the journey, because life's a journey. It's not a destination. And so I've had to remind myself through these talented artists that I admire of their wording when I get a little down and, and, you know, if I'm the entrepreneur owner of a company and I'm in the corner office, I don't have all the answers. It can be, it can be a little scary and lonely sometimes. And, uh, you have to remind yourself it's okay. Nobody has all the answers. It's okay. 
we'll figure it out. That's that's the that's the beauty of it if if you embrace it. Uh, a little scary. That's okay. Scary just means you're alive. If you can feel scary and nervous, you know you're living. So just move on. Yeah, and I, I really appreciate what you said because I think uh, you know just in being in sales myself uh, as a, a major part of my role at Full Stack, you know. I, I did have to learn how to face rejection in a new way. Um, and, you know, it, it took some time to not take that personally. And then, but what I realized as I talked to more people like me is that, you know, some of that is, is unique to me and my wiring. And whereas I know other people that they see rejection as like a huge, they don't take it personally. They see it as a huge opportunity and that's that's how they're wired but um and part of me is like oh i really want i really wish i had that characteristic um but then i realize you know they have other challenges that i don't exactly have because right. they, that, they're wired that way and so what i've realized is okay i need to figure out i'm going to hold on to things and take things personally like naturally and so how do i how do i let those things go how do i feel personally rejected or insulted or, you know, whatever that is. And, um, I think that self-awareness work of knowing how you're wired and what makes you tick is, is probably one of the most, if not the most essential pieces for entrepreneurs and executives to, to learn and embrace. Um, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's, it's not a, I, I love the word, but it's not a popular word, especially in business. And if I'm the leader of a business, but well, actually two words, vulnerability and humility. If you want to lead people, you have to have those two traits. And it's uncomfortable sometimes because you feel like you got to be hard charging, can't be vulnerable. I can't show anybody weakness. I don't think it's, I don't think it's weakness. I think it's, uh, it's availability that you're a human person. You've got challenges like everybody else. This is your company. You understand what needs to be done. You're in charge, but help me build it. You know, you've got skills that I need. I've got some wisdom that you can use, but I need to be vulnerable enough to say, look, I don't have all the answers. I don't. I need to be humble enough to say, help, you know, help me. And that's hard. That's hard for a lot of people, not just business people, but people in general. Candidly, I think we could use a heavy dose of a lot more of both zones in the world today. So I told you I'm a biology major, and you learn early in biology Darwin's theories and research. And, uh, you know, human beings' first instinct is survival. All, all, all creatures, including humans, is survival. What do I do to survive each day? And it's pretty hardwired into all of us. And so it creates some challenges, I believe, for people, especially those leading businesses, that their instinct is to survive no matter what that takes. And they have to remind themselves that they're going to be okay. They're going to survive. They don't have to be an ogre or make people cry in the office or demean people or, or feel like they're the smartest guy in the room all the time. That's not what survival means. But, but it takes some time for people to get comfortable with that because sometimes it is a conflict. I, I got to protect myself first, then I got to figure out how to help other people. Sometimes those are 
conflictory. So anyway, just, just so I, I got to use my biology degree. See, it wasn't wasted. I learned that. Yeah. And I do like, I think about that and I think about, you know, one of the things, the second characteristic we, we think of in that evolution, you know, to use a Darwinian term there of an entrepreneur is how they leverage a team. And it has to do with that ability to, to let go and to delegate. And we've both seen that probably numerous times go really well and go really poorly. But what, what would you say for the people that really do well at that from your experience in coaching and advising companies? Like, what are they doing to, to let go of the things that in some cases, maybe they created or built on their own, but now they have to trust a team. Like what helps them to do that? Uh, well, you just used one of the words, trust. That's first and foremost. You have to have some inherent trust in the people you surround yourself with. And the second piece is, and, and this is not always the case. I just think it's what you should strive for as a business leader. Surround yourself with people smarter than you. You know, you don't have to do IQ tests to figure out, you know, where everybody ranks, but you'll know. You'll you'll know if your marketing director and your director of sales and your HR person and your CFO are really skilled and smarter than you at what they're doing. That's, you know, it's smarter than you in general. Surround yourself with really talented, smart people. Don't worry about not being the smartest guy in the room. You're never going to be all the time. I wouldn't even, I don't care if I'm ever the smartest guy in the room. So that's first. And then secondly, trust in them to do their job. And if they can't, if if by chance, and it happens, and I, I've seen this firsthand, and I had to make, I had to let some people go in previous companies that were not the right fit. We're bad people, just wrong fit. Fail fast is is my advice. Don't don't try and make a person fit a job they're not skilled to do or not the fit you need. Fail fast. Have a courageous conversation and say, look, I don't think this is a good fit for you or me. Um, I like you personally. I'm happy to help you with your transition to another opportunity, but we need to make a change. If you don't and you let that person linger for the next year or two, they become disenchanted. They're unproductive. They're unhappy. That's not the kind of employee or management team person you want. It's just not going to work long term. It's better to feel fast. So those are the two things I've, I've personally experienced, but also seen many, many times uh, in law companies. Just get the smartest people you can. And sometimes budgets constrain that. You can't get the talent you'd really like to have because you can't afford them. That's okay. Get get two, two B instead of one A. There are talented people out there. Just make sure you surround yourself with as many as you can. Can't have too many. There's an old phrase a friend of mine said early in my career. I've never forgotten either. He said, there's no such thing as an overfinanced company. That's what he said. You can't have too much cash, guys. You can't. And I feel the same way about talent. There's no such thing as an over-talented team. There just is. The more talent you have, the better your odds of success are. You just have to be smart and savvy about how to pick those people. Yeah. Yeah. And learn, and like you said, sometimes learning the hard way of um, what you see in the interview process and, you know, isn't always, doesn't always translate to reality too. So. That's not, that's not resumes. I've looked at a million resumes in my 30 years and they all are 90% the same as far as the words that are being used. 
It's just mixing and matching. It's, it's like Chinese food. It's all kind of the same. It's just got a different name, but it's all the same ingredients. It's the same with resumes. And so it's hard. It's hard to know. That's But sitting down face-to-face with a candidate and really asking thoughtful questions, being a really active listener. My grandma uh, didn't graduate from high school. She was adopted, moved here with her adopted family that adopted her when she was very small, but she was really smart. She just didn't have a chance to go to high school. And she told me one time when I was a little boy, I never forget, she said, um, Bruce, God gave you two ears and one mouth for a reason. You're supposed to listen twice as much as you talk, because if you're talking, you're not learning. If you're listening, you're learning. And it's really important that you learn your whole life. And that was important to her because of how she was raised and you know, opportunities she didn't have, but she was a smart lady and uh, very thoughtful. So same in the business setting. CEO inclination is to talk most of the time because I got to share everything I know with everybody. Man, talk a little bit, listen a lot. That, that's, that's what I've learned works. It's hard, not easy. It's again, back to the survival mode. It's just one of those instincts where you're thinking, I got I to gotta lead this. I got to talk. I, it, I got a lot of stuff to share with everybody. Um, but you're not learning that way. You're just, you're just regurgitating what you already know. You got to learn new stuff, man. Exactly. Yeah. We have time um, for one more question. And I, I always like to end on, there, there are some times in business where it's just a slog and you have to work really hard going against the grain, you know, especially if you're growing a company and you've grown fast or you're scaling it, you know, you're, you're readily aware of all of the problems that you have. They're right in front of you. Um, you're reminded of them daily, um, by, by clients, customers, colleagues, and, and it, it requires a lot of discipline just to stay inspired and stay tuned into, you know, the vision of like why you started something in the first place. And so, what do you do personally just to stay grounded and and refreshed in that and the vision that you have and yeah no that's a great question in fact it maybe it might be in an indirect way it might be the most important question so um, a friend of mine started a company in Muncie Indiana 30 years ago very bright thoughtful guy son of a minister so you know a man of faith too he sold the company they sold the company 10 12 years ago he now consults with other companies. Then he serves on boards, some big boards. And he wrote a book. And I talked with him the other day. And he talked about the big why. The big why is, why are we here? Joe, why does your company exist? And why are you running this company? Why'd you start it? And it can't be just about chasing money. Everybody does that. That's, that's not the end game you want. Why are you here? What difference are you going to make in the world in a general sense? And he said, I really talk with companies about that. Think about it with your team. Why do we exist and what's really important to us? Our mission statement's one thing. What do we really want to get done in this world? Um, And so I think I I appreciated his comment about that because I agree with him 100%. Secondly, as far as recharging, rejuvenating for me, and I think it's, again, something that people need to be mindful of and very thoughtful about doing. I think it's important. I'll give you a couple different pieces to that. I think it's important to be a servant leader. 
that's something I'm very passionate about as I've gotten to my age, knowing that we spend 30 years building a career and some personal wealth and take care of our families and all that's good stuff. It's important stuff. At the end of the day, I believe that a person's life, the, the quality, if you want to call it that, the impact of it uh, is not about how many widgets I sold, how much money I made, what I own. It's about how many lives did I touch? How many lives did I impact? In my business with customers and others, outside my business in the community. That's the only measure for me that has any merit, has any real value. Because what that is, is your legacy. And I think legacy is really important. Now, if I'm a 32-year-old entrepreneur, I'm not thinking about legacy. I get that. What I would tell the 32-year-old entrepreneur is, think about being a servant leader all of your career, not the last 10 years, when it becomes more evident. Find a way to be connected in the community, volunteer, serve, time, talent, treasure. Those are the only three things we all have to give. Give whatever you can of all those three things back into the community. Find things that are bigger than you to believe in and bigger than making money to believe in. Uh, because I think you're going to be a more content, fulfilled, happy person. If you're, if you're feeling that way, guess what? Your business is going to prosper better. You're, just, you're going to do a better job in the business too. I heard a quote one time from a business owner, and I, I try and live this, and I don't do it. I, I'm not 100% successful at it. Nobody could be. But he said, I wake up every day with one thought. Every morning when I wake up, I want to touch someone's life today in some way. I don't know who it's going to be. I don't know if it's going to be on the bus. I don't know if it's going to be at the airport, in my office, at a customer site. I have no idea who it's going to be but I'm going to be thoughtful about trying to do something that has a positive impact on one person, at least one person's life, each day I'm on earth. And I thought that was really powerful. That level sets the why I'm here. I still got to run a business. I still got to hire people, employ them, pay them, build a company, build products, do good work. But if I have that in the back of my head every day, I'll tell you what, that's pretty good focus. All the good stuff will come from that. Uh, I've just never forgotten that phrase. And, it, and he was a very successful business owner. Um, but he learned early on, if it's always about me, that's a limiting factor in my life and what my impact can be and my legacy down the road. If I'm thinking about others, you know, he, his comment was, when you talk with somebody and you can tell they need help, and the little bit of help you give them, whether a, a kind word, an arm around the shoulder, an idea for a solution to the problem they're wrestling with, you never know, but you might just change that person's life forever. You might change it just for that day, but it could be that you'll change their life forever. And how big a deal is that? that that's pretty cool. I remember him telling me that, and he said, oh, look, I'm not successful at it every day, but I try every day. All we can do is try, and you'll have success if you're doing the right things. Same in business. If I'm doing the right things, productive versus active, got the right people doing the right things, I trust them to do the right things, I get out of the way, I have the right mission personally and professionally in my company, I think you've got to be successful. That one out of five, 
success rate of companies that start, you're, you're going to buck those odds if you're doing the right things from the get-go. And it's not easy. It's not easy. I don't mean to say it is. It, it took me 35 years to figure all this stuff out. But I think if you start early on, you know, I, uh, I'll end with this. I have uh, three great kids, and they, um, they have that mentality of being servant leaders. They're in their 30s. They're just starting their careers. But I'm really proud of the people they are. And some of that they cultivated on their own. Some of that I would credit my wife and I for helping them with. And my parents, frankly, their grandparents were wonderful people. I have no doubt they're all three going to be successful because they're grounded right now and they know what's important. That's all I end with. I've told you I'm going to end three times. Now I, I am going to end. Um, when they were... When they were in uh, grade school, you know, I was trying to be a good dad. One day at breakfast, they were in like second, fourth, and sixth grade. They're all on the same bus going to school every day. And I, I thought, you know, I need to, I need to tell them something that I'm going to keep telling them because I want them to know it's important. So what's dad's advice? And it just came to me one morning at breakfast. And I still, I still use it today. And they use it with their kids. I said, okay, guys, here's your job today at school. You got to do three things. You got to be a good person. You've got to have fun because if you're not having fun, you aren't doing it right. And you got to learn something new today. I don't care what it is. You got to learn something new. And I told them that every day at breakfast for the next 10 years. And did they get tired of hearing dad say that? Yeah, they probably did. But you know what? They're telling their kids that now. And they they live that. I'm not saying it's because I was so smart or those are the only things you should think about, but it gave them a focus of, you know, if I do these three things each day, I'm probably going to have a pretty good day, pretty good week, maybe pretty good life. And so I'm really proud of them for taking that on. And that's what I would implore business owners out there, whether it's those three rules or something else, make sure you got something you're getting up for each day besides just making money. Because uh, that stuff, it comes and goes. Um, but, but but impacting others, that goes on forever. Yeah, I that's such beautiful stories and great great wisdom. Um, I really appreciate you sharing that and just sharing a little bit about your journey. I think it's going to be helpful for so many people. If people heard something and they wanted to chat with you more, like where would you point them to connect with you? Oh, they, they can just, uh, it, you can put my contact information wherever you want, or I can give it to you now. But I don't care. I, I said earlier, I don't, I don't want people to think that I don't take, I don't like people calling me anymore because I can't help them all. That is not the case. I, I'll never stop taking phone calls. So people can call me directly on my cell phone, um, 317-379-8565, or they're welcome to email me. I have a website for the Kid Consulting Group. To be brutally candid, I haven't done anything with it. I didn't think I was going to need it because I was calling on companies I know. They don't need a business card or a website for me. They already know who I am. But I've been told, you got to have a website. Now, so I'm going to, I've got one. I just haven't put anything on it. So they can email me at, at bruce.k.kid at gmail.com. Anybody, anytime is welcome to reach out. Uh, I, I enjoy meeting new people and uh, helping them and Lord knows to give me a reason to get out of my home office and go see somebody face to face. Sounds good. Well, thank you again so much for your time today. 
Thank you for listening to today's interview. To view show notes or hear more episodes, please visit www.savagetosage.com.